Hi, I'm Charlie. And I'm Bradley. And this is Gay AF. If it sounds gay, we're probably going to talk about it. From grinder woes and our gay icons to LGBT plus issues and all things G-A-Y. Ah, oh, as if. Oh gosh, you find me, Tara! Well, it's going to be a little bit wet. Are you wearing the, sh- the Chanel boots? Chanel! This dress is dry clean only, Melanie. Oh, I just want to be me. Not today, Satan. Not today. But I can't help it that I'm popular. Go away, you adulterer! Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? You ain't my mother! Yes, I am! I started to wonder, and I wondered, which led me to wonder. Who is she? No wire hangers! I have my career. I am the queen of Kappa Kappa Tau. Bring back my girls. How you doing? Hi, Charlie. Hi, Bradley. How are you? I'm good. How's it going? Yeah, good. I'm really I love- I say this every episode. <laughs> yeah, and I love how we like act like we've just jumped on a call and just started talking straight away, and it hasn't been like an hour and ten minutes since we actually jumped on the Zoom. <laughs> I know. Yeah. We're such good actors. Exactly. Tech performing arts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm. I'm. I think this is like one of the most important episodes that we'll record in um, this season, maybe the series altogether, because uh, being uh, gay has an entire journey before you get to that point where you feel fully comfortable and um as much as it's they're hard stories to tell and there are funny stories to tell as well I just think it's I'm I think everyone in the end is grateful for the path that they've taken to get to this point so it's important to talk about it I agree I think yeah especially when it comes to sort of exploring your past and thinking back to certain stories and just realizing yourself there was perhaps a reason why you felt a certain way or that happened, if that even makes sense. I think it will when we start sharing the stories. Yeah, I agree. But um, but yeah, I mean, we've got loads to talk about, so should we get started? Yeah, 100%. I'm so ready. So growing up gay obviously starts from a very young age. Um, we obviously spoke about music last week being quite a big part of um like our upbringings and um I think pop culture in general is such a huge um part of growing up but another huge part is also going to school and being surrounded by other people especially in a time where um it was nothing like now like being accepted as anything other than straight heteronormative um football loving guy was different and not acceptable so that's what we're going to talk about now. And Charlie, I'm going to hand it over to you to start off with uh, to tell us how it was growing up gay at a young age for you. I think the first thing that comes to mind straight away is the fact that I had girlfriends. I think a lot of gay men perhaps have had similar experiences where they grew up just sort of being friends with girls and not really perhaps at the time realising why, but I think looking back now, I, I can just, you can just call it and, you know, girls I think were more accepting of perhaps the fact that I was a little different and didn't like air quote like typically boy things so going into preschool going into infant school primary school I wanted to play pretend games and you know sort of play things that the girls were playing horses like pretending I played horses (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I just remember sort of feeling well, I don't remember at the time, but like in context now, like there were just certain differences. You know, I didn't adhere to, like I said, the normal things. And I'm going to air, I'm air quoting that because like, you know, I think it's kind of a shame that there are these pressures that yeah. people playing with certain things to 
you know, sort of be a boy, basically. And I think things are actually kind of getting better, like a little bit better with that. But I do remember, especially as well, like having a um, younger sister, always sort of adhering to wanting to play the, with the things that she was playing with. And I actually have a funny story that I think will be good to share. So I don't actually remember this, but it's a home video. And there's a video where my parents bought me an action man for Christmas. And I don't think my, my parents were never sort of, um, they never pushed, you know, kind of like um, certain things onto me regarding certain toys or, you know, football, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, obviously we're just trying out whether I wanted to play with an action man or not. Um, but I cried when I opened the present and was like, Santa didn't bring what I asked for. He <laughs> mum was like, oh, but maybe he thought, you know, like you'd like to try playing with an action man. And I was like, no, I don't want an action man. And it's so funny because my sister goes, I'll have it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just like one of those things that's always stuck as like a, like a kind of a, a funny story. And I look, I look back now and I just think like, oh, that's so funny that I was just like rejecting this action man toy at that's a six-year-old. It's so funny that you mentioned like Christmas presents because I remember, I vividly remember having a massive argument with my parents. I don't know how old I was when the Cheeky Girls were a thing, um, but I was obsessed with the Cheeky Girls. And I'm hoping that isn't like showing that I was like 14 because I definitely wasn't. I was like, I was definitely like seven, six or seven years old, I think. I remember going to H&B in Lakeside, uh, which is this big shopping centre in Essex and um, wanting to buy the Cheeky Girl CD. And it had like a Christmas song on it as well. Um, banging Christmas song, by the way, Have a Cheeky Christmas. And um, we, were, we were going to meet Santa in Lakeside as well afterwards. And I, was, I said to my dad, like, I want to buy this for my pocket money. He was like, no, 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 like Christmas is around the corner. Obviously they bought me the CD for Christmas because they knew I loved the Cheeky Girls. Um, and very like 21st century parents there. And, um, and yeah, we just had this, I was like, but I want to buy the Cheeky Girls CD with my pocket money. And my dad was like, well, Santa's already bought it for you. And I was like, I literally cried my eyes out. I was like, how do you know what Santa's bought for me? But inside I was like, thank God I've got that CD and I've got to spend my money on it. But I then remember sitting on Santa's lap, lol. Um, and literally just like him saying, what do you want for Christmas? And I looked at my dad and was like, the Cheeky Girls CD. And, like, and we think back, like that's just the gayest thing ever, but I love it so much. Like, it's such a great story. I need to go back and I don't remember them releasing a Christmas song. I need to go and look into that. So good. Um, but no, I think that's the thing. It's like when you look back and think about those memories, you're like, oh, there was a reason why I was perhaps reacting in that way or sort of behaving in that way. And talking of like playing pretend, like with my sister and my friends, I... I don't know, I was always that one who was like, let's do plays, let's make up a dance. Yeah. Let's, you know, let's, we'd sort of, me and my sister would always play what we would call, let's play Harry Potter, which was like, just pretend to be the characters from Harry Potter. And I would always be Hermione. And I just think it's like, <laughs> what? My sister would be like Harry and Ron, and I'd be like, no, I'm playing Hermione. And we used to have this bit where like, we'd pretend we were arriving at Hogwarts and I would have these like sassy little lines. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> Oh, you were so bloody gay, honestly. Like, what the hell? I love that so much. I love it. I um, yeah. I, I like think it's so weird to think like, why did we want to be the girls? And I do think even now I do think about it. I'm like, I wonder. Like, I'm happy being a man. Like, I'm. I love my. I love who I am. Like, I'm very comfortable in who I am. But then I do think it comes down to that safety element of being like, 
that's I, I and I mean we're such advocates for women as well as gay people most of the time anyway that's generalizing but most of the time that is the case I think that's because women have been allies from day one at least on a on a like general scale um whereas men have always seemed to have a little bit more um traction when it comes to that because they don't want to I think and I think that my personal opinion is I think that that comes down to them thinking that other people are going to assume they're gay but we don't care if you're gay or not like we're allowed to ask you we're allowed to like be curious but like i'm not standing there saying you're gay because if you're not you're not i think as well there's a relatability i remember sort of reading certain books watching certain films tv shows and relating more so to the female characters than i would the male characters and i think that really comes down to stereotypes you know yeah. i'm nowhere i'm not a harry and i'm not a ron like i'm kind of a hermione so yeah. kind of like Therefore, I wanted to be her and play her. Um, yeah, I think and I think as well, just kind of going back to sort of primary school and, and infant school, just being so much more comfortable being around girls. And it's interesting because I think that then followed through into like high school and adult life and just feeling so much more comfortable around women than men. Because I, I think there was always this constant sort of like, well, I'm not like them. I'm different. I don't like playing sport. I don't like these certain games or these certain yeah. TV shows, you know, I'm watching Hannah Montana, not insert, I don't know, a typical boy program that I never probably watched, like kind yeah. of thing. So, what do like typical boys watch though? I'm like, why are you watching something as boring as like, like I can't even think, like, what is it? I don't even know. And yeah. I think that, do you know what's so interesting? I think how sort of the, the way sort of like children's marketing works and how toys, TV shows, they're so like, they're so targeted to either boys so or So frustrating. And like I said earlier, like I do think things are, sl- are getting slightly better, but I think there's still so much work to do there. And I think it's interesting because, you know, something I never experienced is that my parents kind of were led by me. So if I wanted something or wanted to do something, they were like, okay, cool, like that's fine. It wasn't like I was, you know, encouraged to do certain things because that's what boys do. Before we move on, I also wanted to mention what you said about the, like, the marketing and the targeting of gender because something that I really struggled with when I was younger was magazines. And that was one of the first things I remember being like, okay, this is this is a problem. Like, why why do I have to... Well, to, tell, to give an example of something that was happening was that I would, I, I've always been into pop music as if you listened to the last episode, you'll know. If you didn't, go listen now. Um, <laughs> but I loved the Top of the Pops magazine. Like it was, or Smash Hits magazine. Like those sorts of magazines were what I wanted to be reading. I didn't want to be reading like Match Attack and like Ben 10 and like CBBC magazine. Like I wanted to read the, like you said, the goss about music and celebrities and stuff. And Obviously, when you're six years old, you can't be reading Heat magazine. It's a little bit of a little bit of a um, X-rated thing for a six-year-old. But yeah, I remember like when they started putting like gifts and stuff in magazines. It would be a hairbrush or a mirror, and like I mean, like a pink hairbrush or like a glittery mirror or like a makeup palette. Don't get me wrong, some guy like some boys, and especially now, like especially when you see celebrities on YouTube that are having kids who are enjoying wearing like female clothes and wearing makeup and stuff, that's great. But a kid who was born in 1996, that wasn't acceptable. I couldn't be seen with a pink hairbrush, or I would get called gay boy, puff, the F word, like horrible, nasty words 
that just stay with you for life. And my mum and dad knew that, which is why they were protecting My mum actually, she'd still obviously buy me, that. I would go to Sainsbury's every week and she'd buy me a magazine every week and that would always be my choice. She was fine with that. But I remember her actually writing in a complaint to one of the magazines, I think it was Top of the Pops, um, and being like, it's five weeks in a row, my son likes reading about pop music, but for five weeks in a row, he has been, he's had, like the gift that he's had is something that is solely targeted at females and, and little girls. And he feels like he can't read the magazine because it's not acceptable for him to have a gift as that, you know? And it's just so sucky. They never applied. So screw you, Top of the Pops, um, unless you want to sponsor us. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it's so, it just really sucks that like from an early age, I remember feeling like I couldn't like a certain thing because a corporation or a person decided that this was for one gender and this is for another. And things like that do extend the amount of time you feel uncomfortable being in your own skin. I so agree. I think something that comes to mind that is kind of a similar sort of experience to that is, I remember in year six having to do a a book review and I was obsessed with the Jacqueline Wilson books. Like I read them all. And again, I think definitely having like sisters sort of, um, I don't know, like my sisters were reading them. So it's like, oh, I want to read them too. But I would have then also like really loved them. And um, I remember doing a book review of The Double Act. <laughs> so I was great book. And doing like loving what I did. Like I remember like presenting my review and just um, people like making fun of me for that, especially the boys in the class and sort of saying like, why did you do a book review of a Jackson Wilson book? Those books are just for girls. And I remember like the teacher like not saying anything and just feeling like, oh, I didn't really know that until like now. And then felt really embarrassed and awkward and then just stopped reading them because I was like, oh, these aren't, I'm not supposed to read these. And I don't know, like, like, like when you look back at that, that is really sad that we felt that way and it wasn't actually like encouraged or celebrated, you know, it was actually put down. I think that's really, generally speaking, I think that tends to happen, I think if, boys um, are adhered or attracted to feminine things, um, whether that's, I don't know, interest, hobbies, occupation, etc. They are at real risk of being made fun of and sort of penalised for that, um, which I think is really sad, you know, how how that kind of works out. And I still think it happens today. I think a lot of men are very sort of apprehensive to adhere to, to feminine things, like, you know, wearing makeup or doing a certain activity or enjoying a certain hobby because they're, yeah. they have a fear of being ridiculed I think as gay men I think it can be a bit more easier but I don't know there's that kind of attitude of like well I don't care what you think I don't care if you think I'm x y and z because I like this I'm just gonna like it and we've learned to tolerate it that's the thing I think yeah, that's, that's that's so true and also to um, to stand up and educate other people as well, which is exactly what we're doing on this podcast. But I just want to say to those boys that um, told you not to write a book review on the double act, at least we can read, hun. Like, go and go and stick your head in, in your TV and and then come back to me and at me. And that's the thing, like, I'm, you know, those books were marketed towards girls. Like, that's, but I think it's kind of like, if, if a, you know, a young boy wants to read them, they shouldn't be... <sighs> like ridiculed for that definitely uh, I think it's difficult isn't it because I think um the way sort of like children marketing works is it's, it's I don't know will there ever be a, a thing like where it's like 
all gender neutral like I hope one day like it would be but I just think like when you do open a magazine and it's like you see a boy playing with a kitchen you're like oh they think they've done everything to perhaps make more neutral but it's like oh you kind of haven't though like there's so much more you could be doing I do want to add as well I think it's important to state here that it is okay for boys to like football and girls to like makeup like that is also fine if we want to add just using those as two general stereotypes um but it's just important to be to have an inclusive option as well that boys because at the end of the day boys aren't accepted by a lot of people for liking makeup and girls aren't accepted by a lot of people for liking football so when it comes to gender stereotypes there needs to be some sort of exclusive inclusive option because it's it's very unlikely in the near future that the gender swapping is gonna is gonna be accepted universally to jump into like to to my upbringing like I've said like I had very supportive parents the whole way through I've always loved singing dancing acting performing um people always um even from a very young age uh assumed I was I was gay um and this is I'm talking primary school here we're going to get on secondary school and high school shortly um but one of the standout moments for me which I've spoken about on a completely separate podcast before but it's important to say here for this audience as well was I think I was in year four and either year three or year four so what's that like six or seven years old and um like seven or eight around my age and um my head teacher called my parents in from like an emergency meeting because I was getting bullied I um because I liked all those things I hung out with the girls and stuff I think it got to a point where this kid Billy um he had a twin brother called David and um I don't care I'm keeping that in because I'm gonna out you if I can remember your last name I put it in as well but he um one of our teachers bought him for some reason which is a bit weird and I think about it she bought him one of those like tinfoil it's like a paint by numbers but like you out with tinfoil and he threatened me with a um with the scalpel because he didn't like how I acted he thought it was weird that I was like a girl but in a boy's body he didn't understand like Mm -hmm. my interests why my interests are different to his he had serious behavioral issues um and my head teacher called my parents and said we've set up a plan we want to basically convert Bradley into liking guy things hanging out with boys and becoming a boy's boy instead of going down this path because it's going to be a lot more difficult for him thankfully my parents said absolutely not like they still continue to take me to like stage school and I still enjoyed everything I liked and I didn't even know really about this until later on when they had explained to me what had happened um that head teacher literally screw you screw you because that that, am I right I don't want to throw this word out or this term out but that is that not basically conversion therapy like is that not what they were suggesting there it's a it's very much that kind of thing of sort of trying to orchestrate something you know and trying to sort of like completely change your path and force you into something that you didn't want to do yeah and what my parents did do from there was I think that they obviously I think the thing was the parents and the reason a lot of parents don't accept their kids as being gay when they're growing up is because they want them to have an easy life and in their head an easy life is just playing it by the book being in air quotation marks normal and um, because people aren't going to come for you as much but they don't realize the imbalance of happiness that comes with that 
um with, with that at the end of the day so they did they that christmas i'm uh well i'm not pretty sure i know that they bought me lots of manchester united um stuff <laughs> because as much as my family are west ham fans my uncle um, and my cousins were all man u fans so they bought me like a season ticket they bought me like a man u t-shirt they bought me a football i'm feeling christmas day like <laughs> Where's the Hillary Duff CD? <laughs> Where's the Lizzie McGuire box set? How do I use this? <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, so, and yeah, that we literally laugh about it now. They're like, we didn't want to convert you. That, like, that is not what we wanted to do. But they were like, and I get it. They wanted to, they needed to test the waters, you know? Maybe I like just had never been open to it. And it was something I was going to end up loving, which full disclosure, I did not. World Cup is as far as I go when it comes to sports. Um, but yeah, like it's just, it's just so rough that um, influential figures in our life, like head teachers and teachers and parents, can make that decision and have so much control over a kid to lead you down a certain path that is definitely not yours. And I just hope to God, and I, I do, I do think that things are changing, but I hope to God things like that aren't happening as often because it's terrifying to think where I could be now if I didn't, if I did go down that path. I think that's the thing. I think you can't underestimate how impressionable your parents are your elders your teachers etc and how things they say or how they act can have a huge impact on like young people I think it comes back to what you said at the beginning and like that heteronormativity it's very like it's kind of like ingrained and conditioned in yeah. generation above us and it's very much like they they're having to like recondition how they communicate and act or behave you know rather than um just assuming that their son is going to like a certain thing perhaps you know just ask them what they like uh -huh. want from this shelf you know rather than you know just assuming they, they're going to want this certain dvd or this certain toy just ask them what they would like and then they can decide um i think you know there is a lot of learning that you know even my parents have said this like they were very they used to always say that classic line of like oh when Charlie gets a girlfriend you know it's kind of like changing that to partner instead because it's just more neutral um and what's really nice is actually seeing you know like my parents for example kind of get better at that and sort of yeah. understand why that can be quite damaging and yeah. um you know and I'm, I'm also very sympathetic that they have just been conditioned through the way they've been brought up and exactly. live in that like there is that sort of like heteronormativity they just expect or assume that their children are going to grow up straight what's really interesting actually is that my mum did tell me that when I was around six or seven her and my dad had this conversation where they sort of said oh I ha we have an inclination that Charlie could grow up and be gay you know if you are born this way if you are born gay then you know your parents perhaps are going to have inclinations or it just it's all about how they react react to those inclinations and I think what's really nice is both our parents seem to embrace us for who we are and didn't try and change us too much or yeah. force onto us because we were born this way baby literally thank you so much for I think actually it's my was it my parents or my older sister oh no it's my older sister she bought me like tickets to high school musical and ice so thanks for that <laughs> I never got bought any football stuff, so thank you. <laughs> to be fair, I did get steps tickets the year after, so you know it was fine. <laughs> I 
Okay, so in the second segment, we kind of want to touch on our high school experiences, um, especially in the context of bullying. I think me and Bradley have both sort of said that we both experienced um, bullying whilst we're in high school. This one, no high school musical, hon. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, so Bradley, why don't you start off and sort of tell us about your sort of high school experience? Um... Boys are mean is literally like all I have to say. <laughs> It was hard. It was really hard. Like, I hate, I hate that I can't say out loud if I could go back in time and go back to school, I would, because you literally could do anything else to me and it wouldn't be as bad as that because I had such a horrible time in school. Um, or even talking about, like, I'm, you can maybe even hear it in my voice, like I'm feeling a bit, like triggered and emotional about talking about it because it's not it wasn't a good experience until a certain point um but I wore hearing aids from a young age until I was about 13 so that was one thing that I was bullied about constantly people coming in my ears and screaming and making really? horrible noises yeah I mean that was a that was a whole thing but um on top of that my interests just made school a living hell for me um how am I allowed to out people here am I allowed to say their names like I mean you can like I literally don't have any shame right now because I feel like the people so to to actually lead into secondary school the first guy that I remember proper intensely bullying me was called Sunny Hazel um who three weeks ago actually has just been um sentenced to I think five years in prison for manslaughter um and he he effectively murdered someone um and to think that I was a victim of his his initial psychotic behavior um is terrifying to me but also validates my feel my feelings now and makes me think even though you were 11 years old then, the way that you were feeling because he was calling you gay boy and like like smacking your bum and then saying, don't touch me, poof, and things like that in the school hallways, um, it validates that actually I wasn't crazy for thinking what I was thinking at that point, that this is a nasty, devilish person. Um Sadly, like that wasn't the end of it. Like I said, I was wearing hearing aids. That was a whole thing. But I would say the years between like 13 and 15 were just so rough. Um, I had these two guys, Harvey Hales and Adam Hart, um, who just made every day a living hell for about a year to two years of my life where I would I was, I went through so much trauma. Like I went through so much mental trauma. I, it was the start of my anxiety, which I still suffer with today. Um, to the point where like it, the fact that they would come up to me and call me disgusting and ugly because they were assuming I was gay at this point. I didn't even know if I was gay at this point. Um, just, it just hurts me so much to think that people actually have that in them to do that. And as much as I actually know that, at least one of these people has actually grown up and has actually become a semi-decent human being, as far as I'm aware, makes me at least hope that I have been a part of their journey or his journey anyway, 
to becoming a better person. Um, my thought process when it comes to kids bullying me was you are probably going to have children one day or, ne- or nieces or nephews that are going to go through this. And yeah, you can either be the bully or be the victim. But if they're the victim, I really hope that they don't have to go what you're putting me through because firstly, that's just bad karma. And secondly, no one deserves this. But the peak of the peak of like my high school slash secondary school bullying was um, it was being called gay one lunchtime um, as per usual. Um, no one would stick up for me because not because they weren't my friends, but because they didn't know how to handle that situation. Um, and shouting in my ears and literally got my head, this kid, Adam literally got my hair and just tossed me down the stairs. Um, and like, they're all laughing going like, then like him and his friends are being like, you, you're like a little gay boy, like a little faggot from the top of the stairs just looking at me. And I just ran to the teachers, like the head teacher's office, my head of year's office and just cried and cried and cried and cried and just didn't understand firstly why they would do this to me but also what was wrong with me why because I like certain things was I being treated like this um but I that was a turning point for me because I didn't want to feel like that anymore and as much as like I said my anxiety has never stopped from that point and that anxiety didn't wasn't just the fear of people thinking I'm gay that anxiety then led into me thinking that um, I was alone in the world to the point where I was in an in an RE exam in my GCSEs and left ran out of the exam and ran to the teacher's office saying I don't care about the exam I think my parents are dead and I had a, if my mum didn't text me back every hour because I would text her under the table every hour I would assume she was dead and that was because she was my safe space and in my head I was like no no one's there for you you are alone you don't deserve this and that's because those idiots made me feel so insecure about myself but I took charge after that and when I went to sixth form I didn't I always put so much into my grades and into the into my studies and I it was at that point I said do you know what fuck this like fuck this I'm still going to put in enough effort so I can get into uni if I want to go to uni and I can get a good job but that is not my priority and I started fundraising I was holding events to make people happy and I I did a Harry Potter concert I made a horror maze I did take me out with teachers I did everything I possibly could um to not only raise money but also to show them kids that I'm worth more than tears and this anxiety and I made such an amazing group of friends out of that um and it just I'm just so grateful that I found that turning point and so many people don't and so many people end up ending their lives in their teenage years because of people like them and I am as much as I hate the fact that happened to me I'm also really grateful that I had that experience because it has made me so outspoken and an advocate for anybody that's suffering with their sexuality or even their individuality and being who they want to be need to shout out Glee as well as a part of my story because as much as it's the most controversial show on the planet now it is um it was a saving grace for me it made me feel like I could be a loser I could be thrown against a locker but get back up the next day and sing my heart out because that was what I wanted to do and it's a very um refreshing thing to talk about now as triggering and as hard as it is to talk about 
and obviously I've just touched the service in this like seven minutes so I've been talking but I just um I all I say is don't suffer in silence there is always someone there as cliche as it sounds there is always someone there to listen to you someone that's going to understand you and a group of people that will be there to have your back at the end of the day I think like listening to that and obviously I didn't know like you experienced any of that whilst you were in school um what really resonated with me was when you said like the impact and the trauma of these experiences and how they can sort of like affect you Mm. in your future life I think having experiences like that it does make you just feel like you are abnormal and like you should be ashamed of who you are and I think shame is a real big pro like really big thing I think for a lot of people who are in the closet because they feel ashamed they're like ridiculed and made fun of for for perhaps you know being gay and in turn that can just really negatively affect how you sort of like navigate then through life because you're like well so and so bullied me for perhaps being gay so then if I come out is that just going to get like progressively worse like feel very sort of like alone and isolated in that and especially in those real formative years when you when you are sort of like going through puberty and you start to realize that oh like, like I do find men attractive but I'm confused why I'm like these boys are kind of easy to like anyway, so there's no way in how I'm going to come out now. I think for me, I remember leaving, I remember leaving primary school once. Um, it was like, a, one, like one day after school and um, this guy called me a puff for having a satchel. And um, I just remember being like very kind of confused and was like, oh, like I don't, I didn't really know what the word meant. Like I was just in year six, but I remember going into year seven and sort of thinking like, oh my God, like this is scary. Like what I could sort of be um, confronted with. I don't, like I didn't really have a, any sort of like severe bullying like you mentioned. A lot of it was like, quite passive aggressive, mm-hmm. um, just kind of like call, name calling predominantly. Um, I do remember like PE just being absolute. Oh. I want to sort of say like, to any male PE teacher, like you have work to do because I'm sorry, but like my PE teachers enabled bullying and like, you know, being picked last was as bad as it is, but then being called names like on the field and, you know, being pushed and shoved and like teachers seeing that and just not saying anything it does really frustrate me. I do have to just shout out at this point because I am actually going to send this to, to some of my teachers just to thank them for the progression that they've helped me get and Laura White and Jimmy Ainsco like one of them being my head of year and one being my form tutor as well as my PE teachers just like there are good ones out there there are good ones out there and I do think it depends on the dynamic and the team and we inspire our teachers as well like we we play a big part in making them realize you know that we need inclusivity. Also, I don't want to play rugby. I want to play frisbee. I want to play hide and seek. I want to play rounders. Like, why are you making me play football and rugby? I get to choose if I do drama. So why do I? Why can't I choose if I want to play rugby or not? I remember, like, you know how in um, year 10, 11, I don't know if it was in your school, but um, we had to do like core PE where you had like a few lessons a week. And, but I was doing that like, triple science and I went to my head of year being like, this is really frustrating because I'm trying to do like triple science and you're making me go and play like football in the field I don't have time for this can I just have a study day <laughs> like a study lesson and go to the library and she was like no you have to do PE and I was like for God's sake I don't want to do this anymore I also I remember winter just being the worst like you'd have to go and play rugby and the girls be playing like indoor handball I know. and I'd be like I want to play that and be indoors I don't want to be outside in the rain playing rugby it was just absolute hell but um I think one thing to sort of like to end end this on is Thank God for the girlfriends that I did have, because I think 
they, despite the bullying sometimes being pretty rough and just kind of not great, I think I want to thank my um, girlfriends at the time who were just absolutely amazing, mm. sort of did bring me in, welcome me in. And, you know, in those moments, I felt like I was able to be, to be myself and did have a good high school experience. Like because of them, I do have nostalgia for school and I do have a very sort of like, I look back and be like, oh, I love school, but it's because of them, like because of the amazing memories we had in school. And I'm still really good friends with um, most of them now. So yeah, if you're listening girls, thank you. <laughs> So to bring up the mood a little bit, let's talk about our uni days because as much as we both left uni as <laughs> and um, also never actually came out at uni, um, I had a great time. I yeah. loved uni. I think for me, like, I remember, like, leaving sixth form and sort of going into uni and actually thinking like oh maybe this is the time well actually I never used I never said to myself like this is the time to figure out if I'm gay it was a this is the time I'm going to figure out what my sexuality is because you know even like, when I left um sixth form like I hadn't I'd kissed like one girl in like a truth or dare or like a Halloween party in like year eight so like that does not count so it was kind <laughs> of like I wonder what's going to happen at uni like maybe uni is going to be the time for me to sort of explore and you know try new things and figure things out didn't really happen quite like that you know um it was just my confidence levels were so low at uni I think and they just took a long time to sort of grow and each year I remember sort of going back like you know going into second year and going into third year and being like this is yeah this is gonna be the year and then it like didn't happen I think you do get very comfortable in the secret and sort of like living this sort of like double life but I think for me like looking back I remember like when I did come out and I obviously had like um, Disney as an experience, I did sort of look back and was like, oh my God, like, do I regret not being out at uni? Like, and I didn't, I didn't want to resent that experience, but I would meet guys and go on dates and stuff. And I would always, when uni got brought up into conversation, I'd always be like, yeah, I went to uni, but I wasn't out. That was like my first thing in to sort of like, to be the defining thing about my uni experience was now, and it's really interesting because then it really added a huge and not negative connotation to the experience because it was like I was saying it was great but it could have been better if I'd been more you know out and proud type yeah. thing uh, I actually um remember sort of like coming to terms with the fact that actually like just because I wasn't out doesn't mean it like lessened my experience in any way like I had such an amazing time I met some really great people. I went out so much, like Defo, like really enjoyed uni life to its absolute yeah. fullest. And now I, despite there were, there were more darker moments, shall we say, compared to like high school, where I would sort of, you know, be in my bedroom and just be like, oh my God, like this is the overwhelmingness of feeling like, what the hell am I doing? Like, am I going to be lonely forever? Mm-hmm. You, know, you are surrounded more by like people getting into relationships, people talking about sex a lot, and it would feel kind of isolating because it'd be like, okay, I have done none of this. Like, I can't really sort of connect and relate. But actually, like, those moments weren't the whole experience. Like, they might have happened here and there, where I'd feel a bit sort of isolated or would kind of worry about the future. But for the most part, I lived in the moment and just enjoyed it and enjoyed the the friends that I made. Um, So, yeah, I do look back and think now that it was a great time and have, again, like I was saying about high school, like 
I think I've been able to sort of like decompartmentalize the negative negative aspects and sort of yeah. be like it happened but overall like as an experience I do feel really nostalgic towards it and do look back and have like really fun memories so yeah yeah I think I, I, I think I like mirror you quite a lot in that in apart from the fact that I actually I've said before in this podcast and my friends will know this that like when I went to Disney um to work for the year program I I did say I came out to people as asexual almost like I did I said to people like I'm asexual like I'm not interested in either which like I said before wasn't necessarily a, the truth but it also wasn't necessarily a lie because throughout I'd say throughout like 75% of my uni experience I never downloaded Grinder, Tinder, Hinge never like wanted to date anyone really the only like sort of interest I had was with a friend that I got confused with where like we never nothing other than anywhere she didn't fancy back love you you know who I'm talking about um and like it was it never was like a sexual attraction or like a it was just like we got along so so well and then when she ended up getting a boyfriend we actually ended up falling out for a bit because I didn't like that fact but I think I just was getting the idea of a friendship and a relationship just confused and I think a lot of gay guys can go through that um I think the first time I did download a dating app was actually while I was in California I don't know if I've said this before but I was in California on holiday and um i turned the preference to gay and you pretended like you, to your friend that you were just like trying to find celebrity <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it it was it, that was in august 2016 at, that we went to california and i was in la i matched with my friend marianne's gay friend and then it's only once you've matched and you swipe through the pitch and you're like shit Marianne from that picture you're like what are the chances of this and um and yeah then like I, I nothing came of that until the May of my third year at uni where it was actually my birthday and my friend Marianne sent me a snapchat video being she was on video with this guy that I'd matched with in the August being like Brad this is a guy that you matched with and like in sorry Marianne I'm butchering your accent but it matched with in like uh, August last year and you told me you and I was just like oh my god this was on like my 21st birth or the day before my 21st birthday and I'm like freaking out like I'm gonna end up getting outed like accidentally by one of my close friends that's not even in the country in a different time zone it was so scary but no like it all in all like I think uni was so accepting in comparison to school and I don't know if that's partly at least it was for me anyway I don't know that's partially because of the time that we went to uni or the the or the actual place in itself but I do regret the fact that I had a room with no parents around and like could have got up to so much. I think that's the thing like I have looked back and thought ah, oh, like I wonder what my experience could have been like if I had come out but I just have to kind of ground myself and be like but you didn't you didn't have the confidence and that just wasn't how it went for you and I think because I don't want to I would hate for you to have regrets because I don't have regrets now I think it's like you know no regrets you know that classic phrase but um what's really interesting what, you, what you're saying there about sort of like um what's that phrase I'm so rubbish of saying but you like touch the water <laughs> or dip your toes in the water oh, I yeah. but I did that a bit at uni where I'd kind of I did go and grind over like a blank profile and you know you kind of like I would chat to guys and then like would perhaps almost get to that stage of like sort of, oh should I do this should I not do this type thing I've funny enough I remember having like nudes on my phone <laughs> that I'd taken 
And my friend at pre-drinks was like looking through my photos to find this photo. And she like almost went past them. And I like wasn't sure if she saw them or not. And I was like, oh, she's, I don't know why, but I just obviously then connected that with she made me home gay. And I remember sort of messaging her while through at pre-drinks and be like, by the way, if you saw those photos, like, that's not me, even though it was me. And I was like, ah! my friend sent me these pictures of a guy she's dating. You know how WhatsApp automatically saves them? And she was like, I didn't see anything. And I'm like, oh no, I've just made this into like a such bigger deal. Um, it is interesting you say though about sort of like being more accepting. Like as much as I wish I could say that for me, I did still experience a lot of, again, it wasn't like, it was very much like microaggressions, you know, very sort of like subtle homophobia. I think there's like an actual name for it, but where things would get said and comments would get made and it would kind of, it wouldn't be directly aimed at me, but I'd be in the room. And I remember yeah. on certain, certain nights out, especially certain boys would kind of like point fingers and laugh. And I don't know, I, there, was, there was more like specific examples, but I, I do remember at a time sort of thinking like, oh, I'm 21, like, and this is still happening. This is kind of rubbish. And again like straight men can just be really disappointing with how they sort of act and be yeah. because like you know again I made friends with like predominantly girls and like I think because I wasn't out and again was different the the boys sort of like in our corridor and like in our group just didn't really like react well not well but they didn't react in any way to me they very much just kind of ignored me and sort of I then didn't really make any friends with the guys because there was like, again that disconnect which is interesting because I think I do wonder if I'd been out would it have been different would they have been more accepting perhaps I don't know I think because there was always this huge question mark over me and I, I knew people spoke about me behind my back about my sexuality I know that for a fact because I heard them I remember being down the corridor and hearing my name pop up in someone's room and was like earwigging like near the door and could hear them all talking about whether I was gay or not, or like making certain comments and, you know, saying certain things like, yeah, but have you seen the way he dances in the club? Like he's obviously gay and all this kind of stuff. That was hard to hear at times, like whilst I'm also like in my first year of union trying to navigate making new friends and just thinking, oh God, everyone's talking about me. But very much like what you did in high school, it kind of in turn just made me think, fuck you. Like, I'm just going to be me. Like, I don't care what you think. Like, I'm going to go out to the club and dance to Whitney and have a good time. You're the one sidestepping with your vodka and coat like an absolute bore. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That was kind of my response. And again, I just have to thank the friends that I did make, like, um, you know, the girls that I live with and my musical theatre friends as well. Like, that was a real, doing musical theatre was a real saving grace, actually. It was really funny, so I'm going on a tangent, but at our end of um, year awards, I got like... <laughs> I got the most fabulous award. Love it. Like, sis, you were gay. Like, come on, you know yeah. what I, mean? like, I don't know. I just remember like being with um, my musical theatre society, like going, we like, did rehearsals all the time and like went on nights out and stuff. And just remember feeling super connected to them and just thinking like, and there were like openly um, gay people there who I made friends with. And that was really nice because then I, that was my first sort of experience of making quite close friendships with. Um, people from the community and it, that was really nice um so yeah just a shout out to all the friends I had at uni as well thanks for being so amazing oh I feel like I've been on a journey yeah. I know yeah and but so many stories I think that's the thing isn't it it's like there are so many stories that you can sort of like um, reflect back on and think oh that was a good time or that was an interesting time type thing 
but it's I think in the end like we're both making this podcast now like I think mm. it wouldn't be possible without um without the growth that we've had and the journeys we've had and I'm so glad that we've both had come full circle and like managed to be comfortable in who we are because I wouldn't want anything less no I agree that's all I keep saying to my friends and family it's like I just love how full circle this feels yeah on a podcast and being like to reflect back and just think about my experiences yeah and to be the snake catcher I truly am and uh, <laughs> whip their heads off yes I outed you and I do not care love it love I'm it. gonna actually die if one of those bullies is actually listening to a gay podcast <laughs> I'd love it I'd love it well that, I, I had one friend that would always say to me they're probably bullying you because they're gay and into yeah. themselves and I was like yeah thanks for telling me that a hundred times like it's it doesn't help the cause <laughs> like um but yeah, I mean, that's all I've got to say. So, and then, yeah. yeah, so um, be nice people. Be kind to everyone around you because you don't know what they're going through. Um, love what you want to love. Love who you want to love. And um, remember that your journey will end up coming full circle like ours has. And um, you will end up finding happiness, whether that's with someone else or with yourself. Um, just stay true to you and be kind to one another. You could be a motivational speaker as well. Oh, Charlie, my favourite co-host. Oh my God, Sophie's going to kill me for saying that. <laughs> on par, on par co-host, obviously. Um, I love you both. Yeah, but <laughs> but um, yes, thank you so much for listening, guys. Um, I hope you've all learnt something today. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.